Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to your monthly fix of great cracking stories from the Dublin Story Slam. Uh, the Dublin Story Slam is a monthly open mic storytelling night that takes place in the Sugar Club in the heart of the city. And this podcast celebrates all kinds of stories from ordinary and honorary Dubliners with extraordinary tales. From funny ones to sad ones, stories that make you sigh to stories that just make you think. The one thing they all have in common is that they are true, they are personal, and they're told live on stage at the Dublin Story Slam. This is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. My name is Julian and I produce the Dublin Story Slam and joining me is, of course, the man who normally does most of the talking on the night. It's our regular Story Slam host, Mr. Colm O'Regan. Hello, Julian. Colm, this is our very first episode. Uh, I kind of feel a little bit like we were when we were on stage about a year ago and we were asking people did they want to continue with the Dublin Story Slam because uh, the moth which we were beforehand had had since devolved and we were starting on this journey anew. Um, It's a year later and now we're starting into a new chapter of that journey which is the the podcast and it's something I've been kind of scared and excited and you know really thrilled about uh, but also having a clue what's going to happen with it. So how do, you, how do you feel about this this next chapter that we embark on? Well, I'm very excited about it because I'm enjoying hearing the stories again and hearing bits of them that maybe I missed on the night. I love hearing the audience react to the story again as well. I love hearing the laughter or the oohs and ahs. Sometimes there's a visceral response where the protagonist in the story, often the storyteller themselves, is beset by you know poor treatment from somebody else and you can feel the audience on their side I think that, that the, the audience is the other character in this story because yeah of course you have the brave people get up and tell these stories but it's actually the, the audience and that kind of warmth and um just the, the, the support that they give the storyteller once they get up on stage. I think that's kind of the, the, the third ingredient really to, to what's been such an amazing year of stories and the audience also comprises people who've already told a story and people who are about to tell a story they just don't know it. <laughs> so I agree, the audience is a third character. But actually, we've got a new audience now out 
in the world, people listening. An audience of one. An audience of one at a time. Yes. And what do you want to happen with the podcast? Um, I suppose the ultimate aim behind the podcast is obviously to share great stories. Uh, but it's really to inspire people, as you say, to just get up on stage and share their own personal stories. Because, I mean, Dublin has been through quite a lot. I mean, we've had so many different periods of change and some of it's been for the better and some of it's been for the worse and we're kind of still living through the whole repercussions of all that but I think that there is a lot of stories from that people haven't had a chance to share or maybe haven't even been ready to share yet you know either way you get up and you share the story and it just creates this beautiful vibe within the room and hopefully you know maybe beyond the room into the into the online world as well where telling a story can really make a person's life richer so that's what I want to do or that's what we want to do uh, with the Dublin Story Slam podcast and the money as well of course we want the money well all that money. brings us on we to our sponsor our sponsor for today's <laughs> programme is Dow uh, IMF no. <laughs> <laughs> no I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll take one step at a time let's just get through our first couple of, of, of stories and we have tons of stories I mean this being our first year we've had just over a hundred um, stories that we've recorded every single month and we've gone back and listened to them and chose out stories that we felt just worked really well in the podcast medium so it's not necessarily always going to be about the winner on the night it's going to be about the story that was just works really well you know for, for, for a listener at home who's never been to a Dublin story slam and on today's episode the stories that we've are going to play for you are the ones that featured from our first birthday celebrations which took place in Whelan's as part of the International Literature Festival uh, where we celebrated our number one birthday hence the name We Are One Our first birthday it was a lovely moment actually felt like the wheel of the calendar had come full circle we had been through the winter of storytelling we were driving the cattle through the Flames of Bialtana. We're <laughs> overdoing it now slightly. Uh, lots of mix, lots of emotions on the night, all positive. One slight confusion in that the stage was covered in balloons, which had three on it because of a mistaken purchase by Julian in which Euro... Euro Hoor or whatever, yeah, whatever Euro, Euro, Euro shop World, who are actually our new sponsors uh, for today's program. Yeah, they've given us exactly one Euro uh, towards worth, worth of balloons. to defray the costs. Well, we're going to start off with a story from that night and it was from one of our joint winners because we actually had two winners on the night which was a, a pretty uh, amazing coincidence. I'm not sure how exactly it happened but it's Kira Gill from Kulak and Kira has been a hairdresser since she was uh, 14 and she was incredibly nervous about getting up and sharing this story. And in fact, when she heard that the, the stories that had run previously to her, she was, I, I might run out of here. That's what, afterwards she was just so nervous and excited. But she had a friend that, that was there and the audience is just rooting for her from the very, 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 very start. So this is a beautiful, funny, heartwarming, inspiring story. And we're just so delighted to be able to, to share this one as the very first story of the inaugural story slam. So this is Kira Gill. Give a huge welcome to Kira Gill. Kira Gill. Oh, Kira, very good. This is not intimidating at all, shows now. Um, so my Dublin um, starts a bit depressing, but I promise you it gets better. Um, so my story begins. Um, I'm from uh, I'm from Kilock, um, but I'm a spoiled little bitch. Well, not anymore, but I was growing up, 
And I'm the youngest of five, so I kind of got everything that I wanted. And they didn't really teach me any other way until I went out into the real world and I realised, OK, this is not how it works. I can't really stamp my feet and get what I want. Like, our life, it doesn't really work that way. So I decided, OK, I'm going to be a strong, independent woman and I'm going to go and try and buy my own house. So I went off, I'm a hairdresser, I walked my ass off, I saved thousands. I was like to add off the telly, you know, the one where your man lives on ham sandwiches? <laughs> Me. Lost loads of weight, though, so it was great, like, you know what I mean? But, so, went back to the banks, the lovely bankers at the air and all, with me loads of money, thinking I was deadly, and they were like, no, sorry, love, we'll offer you 90,000. I was like, I'm from Keolak, like, that wouldn't even do when it was an extension on me ma's gaff, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, okay, ma, I think we're going to invest in a caravan for out the back garden. So, needless to say, the depths of depression kicked in, and the anxiety kicked in, and I kind of lost my mind a little bit, and it was a really, really bad time. My ma is an outside at Townie, she's from Sheriff Street, so you can imagine she's not very uh, sympathetic or empathetic, really, to tell you the truth. <laughs> she doesn't really get depression or anxiety or anything like that. It's kind of like, shut the fuck up and get on with it. <laughs> Sorry about the language. So I sat in the kitchen and I sobbed for probably a couple of weeks, like, and I could hear her to the outfit in the background, oh, Danny, I'm very worried about her, like. And he's saying, it's grand, she'll come out of it, we hope, like, you know. So after a couple of weeks, she sat me down in the kitchen and she's like, come on, here now, get your... Shit, together, like, you know what I mean? Like, you really need to decide what you're going to do. I know you're sad and all, but that's life. Get over it, get up and get on with it. Like, I was like, okay, thanks, man. She was like, what are you going to do? You're not sitting around. You've never been on the doll. You're not going to be on the doll. She was like, not my house. She was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I think I'm going to let the universe decide what I'm going to do. And she was like, oh, mommy. She, I think I heard her on speed dial to Pats to tell you the truth. Like, and she was like, that's it. She left the room. She's gone. She's not coming back. Like, and I said, no, ma. Like, I've planned my life this far. And it hasn't gone to plan. And it's not going to plan. Like, you know what I mean? So maybe the material things that I really thought was important are not so important in my life anymore. So she was like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter what I tell you to do. We don't do it anyway. So I'll just go along with it. So for the depression and anxiety, I obviously needed medical help. Like, I couldn't do that by myself. So I went to my doctor, and the doctor was like, right, what do you want to do with your life? I was like, I don't know, I'm waiting for the universe to give me a sign. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Thought there might be a prescription or something for that, but clearly does not. So anyway, he sent me off to another counsellor. He said, go over, she'll sort you out. I went in thinking she was going to hand me a card and say, there you go, there's your new life, off you go. Didn't happen that way. Spent two years with her. So anyway... I came out of the end of it. I ended up in a course in college. I was doing social studies and community development, to be honest. I hadn't got a clue what I was doing. I was just going along with shut the and up because she was going to start and I couldn't be dealing with her. So I went along with her. Before I started the college, I was, as I said, I was in the depths of depression. And I just thought there has to be more to this life. There just has to be a bit more meaning in this world and material things like houses and cars and give me and want. And we just lived in a world that went from boom to bust and everyone got caught, so caught up in themselves and communities were gone and I just thought like I come from Darndale, I come from a serious hardcore community that gets nothing but bad press but it's an amazing community and it was just lost so I was like I need to bring it back so I decided I wanted to help people so I went into town with my four mates and a flask of stew that my ma saved quite happily to tell you the truth because she was like thank god she's fucking down so mother than sitting there crying 
So I brought me the flask of shoe and I went into town and we decided we'd feed the homeless people of Dublin. We decided we'd make A Dublin better. We'd bring humanity back to A Dublin. Instead of going around pissing and moaning about what everybody else seems to do, we said we'd try and change things. That was five years ago. We started feeding 70 people. We now feed up to 250 people on a Monday night. We had an unaccounted Vincent de Paul of Kulak. We have a butcher's account. Today, in this month, we've fed over... 200 families, probably spent €2,000 on families, feeding them and whatnot. And I got into Trinity College. Never. Go on, go on. Go on, the cooler. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams. My brother, my brother is like, if you put the two of us together, you'd break your heart laughing. He's a typical D forehead. He's from Darndale. We don't know where we got him from. <laughs> But he has this accent and he stands there and he thinks that, you know, he's posh and whatever. He went to Trinity and he was my idol for going there because he was the first one in the whole family to go to Trinity College. So I said, fuck it, I'm going to apply. I definitely didn't think I was going to get in. I'm not very academic, I'm a bit more of a doer, like. So I said, I'll do it. And I just wanted to be one of them that could say, ha, you're not the only one, like, you know what I mean? And I sound like this, and he sounds like that, so it was a bit more of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, ha, you don't have to sound like that. So when the call came in that I got it, I swear to God, he nearly died. I couldn't believe it. I was like, they must have made a mistake. Like, there's no way they want me in there, like. And now I'm in there, I just finished my first year in sociology and social policy. I plan on being a policymaker. I want to change this place. I want to make... Now it's that point. So I want to set the example. I don't want to be the one that goes around preaching. I want to actually be the one that does it and cares about what you do and not someone that just sits behind the desk and just assumes people want certain things in their lives. So if you want a better Dublin, get out there and change it because it's not that difficult to go from where I went from to where I am now. Never in a million years did I think I'd be there, but I'm going to be around for a long time. I'm going to see this face a bit more. <laughs> Here again, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. was Kira Gill, who was one of two winners uh, on the night at the Dublin Story Slam. And Kira, of course, goes on to take part in the Dublin Story Grand Slam, which happens later on uh, this year. Uh, Kira runs a lending hand, which is the charity basically that she set up. It's like a soup kitchen uh, that operates in various locations throughout the city. If you want to support them, if you want to volunteer, if you want to get in contact, find out more information, uh, you can check out their Facebook page, a lending hand, comma, Monday nights. Or head over to the Dublin Story Slam website and uh, you can find out more information but come what a what a gorgeous story to start things off with yeah it had everything it was I, I sometimes when I hear stories like that there are you, there are almost tantalizing branch lines that we know Kira can tell more stories about later but she kept us right going right to the end about this uh, this particular uh, part of her life and it it had everything really it had the the humor it had um, it was inspiring, in, and it's inspiring is a word that gets traduced a lot. But I think we're going to say that use that word a lot. She was genuinely inspiring. I loved the line, "I'm not an academic, I'm a doer," <laughs> which, <laughs> which is is is. Great. <laughs> 
not uh, you may be an academic and a doer as well out there, listener. But uh, uh, there are different types of academics. But it was it was a pleasure to watch her perform the story because you felt invited into her life. Um, the line about uh, Trinity and it getting such a huge roar uh, was that because the audience was dominated by stu- Trinity students and graduates, or she uh, followed on the night another storyteller who told another story about her journey to Trinity, which also had lots of redemption and huge turning points in life in it as well, too. So it was great because it was two completely different paths. Uh, You know, a woman from Kulak, who was a hairdresser, and then the other woman was from, I think, the Washington State and had had a different path to Trinity. And... Uh, so people were were watching the stories going, wow, Trinity really does take them all, you know. There was also an interesting part of it where she said, I'm going to be a policy maker. And you don't hear people say that that often now because the whole uh, area, the profession is so often criticised and slagged off that it's great that somebody says, I am going to make policy because that's, the slow, boring way in which stuff gets changed. It's through laws and endless revisions. And, you know, she's she's helping people in a practical sense. But she's also thinking about how can we change uh, the city and the country in a way that's more long term? Because we can't we can't have soup kitchens forever. Ideally, there should be no need for them. And I think that was a great sign from her that this is more to this than just Sleeping bags and soup. Yeah, it's out there on how do we stop this happening again? Um, we're going to play another story now, and this is from a lady called Karina Camarino, and Karina's kind of journey with the, the story slam began like way back in in, in, in I think it was October possibly, um, where she just got up and told this amazing story uh, about how she became a baker. Uh, because Karina runs and owns Camarino Bakery on Capel Street, which is um, beyond delicious. Okay, it's just ridiculously tasty and uh, delicious cakes. So uh, when we were doing the birthday slam, uh, we thought, well, what nicer way, you know, is there to kind of introduce and kind of in- in- involve previous storytellers and get them to bake us a cake? So that's what we did. And we asked uh, Karina and she did the most amazing job. I mean, I honestly got it was a big cake. But I think we must have fed about 50 people with that cake. There was a real loaves and fishes situation going on with the distribution of the pieces of cake, apart from the fact that all the loaves and all the fishes were delicious pieces Yeah, so of cake. we thought it was very fitting that we bring Karina in uh, to tell her, her story. Didn't win on the night or anything like that, but it was just a great cracking story of how she became a baker. Karina Camarino. Karina Camarino. There's Karina. There's Karina. Keep the applause going as she makes her way out from the aisle there. There she goes. Welcome up, Karina. Just get the right there. Very good. That's not right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah thanks. Hi. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about how uh, making food changed my life. Uh, I'm originally from Canada, and I studied communication studies in university. And uh, I had this plan, I was going to be a TV producer. But before I was going to do that, before I was going to, say, get an apartment and get a job and be an adult, I thought I would backpack through Europe. And uh, the plan was England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, 
which is like very exciting coming from Canada, and then <laughs> Spain and Portugal. Um, so Ireland was supposed to be a two-day stop. Um, I've been here for 15 and a half years now. <laughs> and uh, it was at the time of... Uh, there was no, like, Facebook or anything, so we were doing uh, e group email updates and everything, and it was like, dear everyone, I'm working in a pub. It's amazing. Like, all my coworkers were 15 years old, but I was so proud to be really, like, living the Irish experience, and I was working in a pub. Um, I was doing odd jobs here and there. Um, I ended up uh, working for a temp agency. And I Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I was sent to do secretarial work here and there. And uh, I was sent to uh, this engineering company. And the week that I started, somebody resigned. So they offered me a permanent position. And uh, I, I was delighted to accept because I said, well, the only problem is my visa is going to expire. And they said, no problem, we'll sponsor you. I was not ready to leave Ireland. I love it here. So I took this job. So I was working in the human resources department of an engineering company. Um, which I loved at first. Um, I was in charge of, uh, say, deciding where all of the apprentice plumbers and electricians went all around the country. Then the recession hit in Ireland, and my job transformed into basically human resources in an engineering company in the recession where construction industry was hit the hardest. I was the person delivering the news of redundancies to these construction workers, and uh, at the time, we didn't know how bad the recession was going to be or how long it was going to last. Um, and there I entered the period of my life I call the time when I was just making grown men cry every day. <laughs> it was really terrible, terrible work. And it just got worse and worse to a point where every day my full-time job was firing people. Morning to night, I was firing people, traveling around the country, firing people. Um, and I think they sent me because they thought, no one will hit Karina, which was not true. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I was being sponsored by this company and so I could have quit of course but that would have meant leaving Ireland and I was not ready to leave Ireland and in Ireland when you've been working for four years uh, sorry five years you're entitled to apply for your citizenship through naturalization 
And at the stage when my job got really, really bad, I'd been working for four years. So um, I tried every other way, but there was no other way other than to fire people for one more year in order to get my Irish citizenship. And then I could quit that job and work somewhere else in Ireland or in Europe, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, the work was terrible for that year. In order to cope with how terrible my work was, I ended up um, coming home after a bad day and like baking it out, bake it out with a tray of brownies, a batch of cookies. Um, and then I like broke up with my boyfriend and my like weekends were free and I was just basically like baking and eating a whole lot of cookies. I felt terrible. I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, you have extremely high cholesterol for a 27 year old. Do you eat a lot of butter? <laughs> so that was the signal that I have to do something with these baked goods. So I then took a stall at a farmer's market as a hobby. Well, basically to shift these baked goods that I couldn't help but baking throughout the week. Um, because of this awful job. So I took this stall at a farmer's market. I would fire people Monday to Friday, bake all day Saturday, sell at this farmer's market on a Sunday. And the, what the world of difference between firing people and selling people cake. And it turns out that I love selling at a farmer's market, and I love baking cakes. And some of the customers that I gained from at that market became regular customers. And because Ireland is, like, magical, they'd be like, well, actually, I have a coffee shop around the corner. Could you deliver me some of this stuff a couple of days a week? And so I was like, yeah, of course. I got so busy and so, like, regular customers and doing this. I was doing this at the same time as doing my uh, firing job. And um, I got a little scooter, and I was, like, delivering on a Vespa, which is, like, not glamorous, because in Ireland it rains a lot. It was really <laughs> terrible. Um, so I was doing that until I had enough work done to be able to resign. And uh, just up, uh, my citizenship application was accepted. But um, that meant that it was now in process. So uh, I quit my job and I enrolled in uh, DIT. So I was doing this course, this degree in baking and pastry arts management, basically waiting on a student visa, um, baking from home, um, continuing to supply these customers that I had. And uh, I was just getting busier and busier. And every year, I used to have to go and register at Berg Key. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. It's this horrible place where you have to queue for hours. And I'd heard. So I was working, like, baking from a home oven. So I used to have to be, that's like three trays of brownies max at a time. And I used to sleep like a sailor because I had so many orders. But I didn't have permission to have my own business because I was on a student visa. And so I used to bake a tray of brownies, sleep for 45 minutes, wake up, switch the brownies. And I would do that. Um, until uh, the third year waiting on my citizenship application, I was in Berkey, and I'd heard, if you go on the student night, you don't have to wait as long. So I went, and I waited for about five hours, and I finally got to the desk, and they were like, this is for every student except for DIT students. And I just started to cry. I just burst out crying, because I was so tired. I was working probably 100 hours a week, um, just baking and delivering on the scooter, and... You know, I, I started to cry, and the gentleman, I'm sure he's seen so many people cry in that place, but he was just a bit taken aback by how much I was crying, and he was like, what's the problem? And uh, he's like, come over here, and we were talking through this booth, you know, with the little grate on it, and then he's like, just, something's wrong, tell me everything. And I just told him everything. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting to be able to start this business. And I have all, this all these customers. And I'm not allowed to hire staff to help me. And I'm not allowed to hire like an industrial bakery or a big oven or whatever. And he looked through my file. And he said, I can see here that everybody's been um, dealing with your file to the letter of the law. 
but it seems that in this recession, we need people like you who are willing to start businesses and hire people, and I'm gonna do what I think someone should have done for you uh, a while ago, and I'm gonna give you a stamp for visa. Like, I didn't even apply for that. And he just gave me this visa, which meant that I, was, I didn't have to continue in this course, and I was able to register my business, I was able to be director of my own company, and I was able to rent a premises and buy an oven and hire people to help me. Um, I did it, and I continued to deliver, like, to independent coffee shops around uh, Dublin, and eventually opened my own shop. And uh, we have 13 staff now, and we've been open for three years in, in the shop, and uh, six years uh, delivering wholesale. And last year, I got a call, uh, we got so many sales calls, and hello, can I speak to Karina, please? And I'm always like, yes, uh, where are you calling from? He's like, um, I don't know if you remember me. Um, my name is, well, I actually won't say his name, but um, I've been uh, receiving your New Year's cards every year. Um, I don't work in Bergkey anymore, but they've been forwarding me uh, my post. And uh, we adopted a girl last year, and she is about to do her communion. And we were thinking of where to get her cake. And I thought, I could think of nowhere better than Karina. So... He found my number <laughs> through my business. He called me, and he came to visit with his daughter, and we made her communion cake, and it's magical. Thank you. Karina, ladies and gentlemen. Karina Camerino. Camerino. As I was listening to that story, I remember on the night thinking how the way she described it was like a montage in a Disney movie in the in the way, you know, the way she was baking and baking and baking. Yeah. And the and, and the, an amazing, uh, an amazing simile, uh, which actually makes complete sense. But sleeping like a sailor, which you normally think of sailors swearing and doing all sorts of other things while on land. But uh, sleeping like a sailor is a great simile. I must use it sometime if I ever work that hard. And it was just, you ever listen to something and you makes you, there's not that many stories make you want cake <laughs> straight away. So I think um, it was uh, both a story that um, described somebody who really went out and chased their dream and got it, but also pretty much made you go out and want to buy your cake straight away. Uh, Karina obviously runs and owns the Camerino Bakery there on Capel Street and you can find out more information on Camerino.ie uh, Let's go to our last story of the night and the last story of this inaugural episode of the Dublin Story Slam and um, this is a story from Kerry Ward who was also actually the last storyteller uh, on the night and it's all about basically Dublin and falling in love in Dublin and it paints the streets uh, and of the city in a new light. So this is Kerry Ward. Final storyteller of the night. Give a huge welcome to Kerry Ward. Kerry Ward to the stage, please. Kerry coming up there, up the centre. Uh. All new relationships have a battleground. Ours was Dublin city centre. It's different when you're established, when things are familiar and comfortable, because you wage the same war, but it's all behind closed doors. You know, you skirmish in the kitchen, you lose battles in the living room, you win them in the bedroom. <laughs> but it's secret, it's private, it's just between the two of you. 
Not so when you are new, when things aren't quite there yet, but doubly so when you're young and it's new. I mean, hands up who has been in a relationship when their mother was still worrying about their virginity. <laughs> no, just me? All right. Um, it's hard because you're still negotiating all of the being a couple stuff, you know, the first kiss, the second date, third base. But you don't have anywhere to go. So the public places that you start your relationship in, they become a part of you. They become the foundation of everything that you are as a couple. And so it was for us with Dublin City Centre. We were 16. We were gobshites because we were 16 and all 16-year-olds are gobshites. Let's get that out of the way. So it started in room 27B in a school on Leeson Street that most of you are probably already familiar with. And a week later, it ventured bravely into Stevens Green Park in the autumn sunshine, where we had a very awkward, like, like to the point of being uncomfortable, forced conversation, which you've all had in the past, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, that was the preface to our blissful first kiss. And then we had our first kind of sort of date, which was in Cafe Irie in Temple Bar for hot chocolate. We had our second actual serious date, which was in Yamamori in Georgia Street. And we had our third legitimate date in the back row of Cineworld in Parnell Street for a hardcore makeout set. Might I remind you that we were 16? <laughs> and it continued. We found more places. We built on everything. The people in the Loft Cafe on Grafton Street pretended not to notice that we were smuggling sandwiches in in tinfoil on our lunch break. And the bird watchers and the duck feeders in Stevens Green Park pretended not to notice the two teenagers doing unspeakable things to each other behind a tree. Like, you would have had to have been fucking blind not to see that going on. <laughs> but it didn't matter because we were in love. And Dublin, when we were in love, was fucking amazing. It was like a painting. It was like a painting with the title Flowers in the Rain on an October afternoon on Grafton Street or The Lights Along the Liffey on a September evening. It was fucking amazing, and it was so easy, and it was so beautiful, until it wasn't, until winter came. <laughs> Lads, you can't fucking lie on the grass in Merrion Square Park in the depths of January, and you definitely can't make out on a canal bench in February, pouring fucking rain. And then you end up spending your afternoons in March sharing a spice bag in a bus shelter on Pier Street because you've no fucking money, because you've no jobs. And then by the time Dublin is kind of considering being summer again, what looms? What looms overall, Irish 16-year-olds? The leaving cert. And all of that, all the trysts, all the kissing, all the making out, that's all replaced by exam halls and grinds and study sessions. And then... You start losing the battle, you know? You have your first quibble. It becomes your first fight. You stop answering each other's texts. You cheat on each other. Teenage infidelity. <laughs> and it's inevitable because you're 16 and you're gobshites. And I mean, does anyone here really think that amazing love stories start with 16-year-old gobshites? Anyone? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The gobshites grow up. They go to college. I went to Trinity, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they go to college. They move country together or apart. They start negotiating long distance. They move in together. They start thinking about a future, a real future. And the thing is, 
The war is all waged behind closed doors now because you're established, you're older, you're grown up. But you never forget the city. You don't forget those places. Anywhere you go and anywhere you live and anywhere you love each other, Dublin is always there because Dublin is part of who you are. Now, you'll want an ending. <laughs> this part hasn't actually happened yet, so I'm going to need you all to use your imaginations a little bit. You close your eyes if you want to visualize, but okay, picture it. October 2019. It's 12 years to the day, exactly. Two fully grown, conspicuously out of place, what the fuck are they doing here, adults, re-enter the classroom where they first met. Have they asked permission to be here? Have they broken in? The teacher isn't entirely sure, but nobody stops them because he is wearing a tux and she is wearing a wedding dress. I know, it's fucking, it would make you sick, wouldn't it? So cheesy, <laughs> honestly. But still, they sit down in the seats that are still there with their names scratched on them and they smile as the camera shutter clicks. Because it's a moment worth celebrating. It's momentous. Because love is a battle. And they've won. <laughs> Kerry Ward, ladies and gentlemen. That was Kerry Ward, who, as we said, made Story Slam history when she was crowned joint winner on the night along with our first storyteller Kira Gill uh, Curry also writes short stories and radio drama and you can actually listen to a piece she produced uh, it's called Human History and was recorded live at the project uh, if you go into iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from and go Collapsing Horse Science Fiction Radio Hour uh, you should find it there or alternatively head over to the DublinStorySlam.com website to find out more Yeah we shouldn't understate the importance our significance of a joint winner, that means an extra mug and an extra <laughs> certificate has to be provided on the night, which is something our our uh, robust supply chains are just about able to manage. We our, our resources were stretched due to that joint victory. The nice thing, or, there was lots of nice things in that story, but at the very end, there was one woman's awe oh, came in before everybody else's awe in that, you know, awe that happens when you hear about a, a true love story. And what was lovely about the story was, as he said at the start, Julian, the, the, the picture of Dublin painted through the seasons and that eternal quandary for teenagers, whether you're in love or looking for love or just hanging out is where do you go when the weather is bad? Because... Teenagers forever will wonder, where do we hang out? They're, you know, you can't go to a youth club. <laughs> that's because, because you're meant to go to a youth club. That means you can't go. So that's what I loved in listening to Carrie's story, just the uh, sharing a spice bag on Pier Street or uh, in the rain. You know. Yeah, well, it's basically it's about being happy with nothing. Like exactly. Literally not having a penny in your back pocket, but say, fuck it, I'm going to spend the afternoon and looking forward to it with somebody that you want to spend an afternoon with. Um, that is it. We hope you enjoyed this little selection of stories that we gathered for you today on this, the very first uh, episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. Uh, if you like us, make sure to tell your friends, make sure to subscribe um, and like and review and all that kind of stuff. Um, but 
even if you felt inspired maybe yourself to come and share your own personal story we are always on the lookout for uh, storytellers so if you want to share one just visit Dublin the Dublin Story Slam.com uh, to find out when the next Story Slam is and what the next theme is and then you just email us in the first line of your story to secure your spot so it's as that simple um, first eight storytellers get in for free and first on the night as well so you know why not do something brave or something wonderful and just get up there and, and tell a story We've never talked to a storyteller afterwards who regretted taking that plunge. They're all really chuffed <laughs> at what they've just done. And never a lot of them never thought they had a story in them. A lot of them didn't think they had a story in them until half time on the night when they saw that people had stories that were extraordinary but born in ordinary circumstances, which I think is the kind of story we love. Because we all think we don't live extraordinary lives mm-hmm. until you think a bit and then you go oh yeah that thing happened to me then maybe not everybody else would share that experience so maybe I could tell them what that was like well if you do have a story do uh, look us up and we'll see you on the next uh, episode of the podcast so uh, thanks a million for listening thank you catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.